Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Glad to see you tonight, this Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. I've got a great word. I hope to encourage you and to uh, encourage you through the Word. I've got a couple of stories to share with you. I always like to just kind of open the, our time together sharing some experiences that help us to understand the Word sometime. I know you have lots of, of those too. Tonight I'm going to be talking about serving in the kingdom. And I've got a, uh, an interesting passage that just really encourages me as I read it. And uh, I hope it encourages you. But I, I don't know about you, but have you ever had one of those days where you, you showed up to give Jesus your all and it just didn't go like you thought it would? Uh, I lived on the island of Maui for 15 years, and I was in charge of the children's ministry there, as well as the bus ministry and the media uh, team and the KSM school as well, and whatever else they decided to throw on for the week. Anyway, I, uh, this one particular morning, our first service, we did three services on Sunday morning. Our first service was at 6, and staff prayer was at 5. And I lived 30 minutes away, and I just can't be one of those clock-in people, made it. Uh, I have to be early, or I just can't function. And so I would leave the house at, you know, 4.15 or so every Sunday morning, and then we had three services. So um, I would arrive, and even though I set up, the rooms for children's ministry the night before and made sure everything. I just can't do that on Sunday morning without walking through all the rooms and rechecking everything. So this one particular Sunday morning, I had my suit on. I was feeling ultra holy and ultra anointed. You know what I'm talking about? Thrilled. I'm going to go to the church I was going to go do my crossroads ministry. I had about 70 fifth or sixth graders every Sunday morning. And that right now, in fact, all the fifth and sixth graders are right upstairs right now. Um, it's one of my favorite ministries to do and be a part of. And so this one particular Sunday morning, I showed up and I, I had a room a little bit smaller than this room for our crossroads ministry. And I go in, the building is silent. It's quiet, super holy, you know. I just know I, I it's not noisy. I opened the door and it smelled like about 10 buffalo had died overnight and were like oozing things in that room. And I'm like, wow, what is that? And so I go in and I turn the lights on. There's no buffalo laying around in the room, so it obviously wasn't that. But something has definitely died in here since last night, and it's so bad. And I, I started walking around the room, and I, I found what it was. There were large puddles of yellowy liquid Around the room, not one or two, it was like a linoleum-type floor. And I noticed it was a cat had gotten into 
that room somehow during the night and it had left yellow puddles all over the room. Have you ever had to try to clean that up? And have you ever got one in your car? Okay, you like never get rid of that smell. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, you know, there was other gooey, oozy, brownish substances with the large yellowy puddles. You know, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because you came for a holy, you know, moment. And, but you know what I'm talking about. The cats had marked their territory. And so I showed up, and I was so discouraged because I put my best suit on. I got up early. I'd gone to prayer meeting all week. Come on, God, what is this? I'm the pastor. So at that point, I had to choose, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to clean this up or am I going to leave it? And of course, I'm not going to leave it. So there I am at five in the morning with my suit on. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel so special for showing up to serve. I wish I'd have been late that day and somebody else had ran into the problem. And then I had to catch the cat because it was still in there. And some of you are wondering why I don't really like cats. Have you ever showed up to serve like that in the kingdom and uh, it just didn't happen like you want? I was in charge of the bus ministry for 11 years and we had 10 plus different bus routes that would go all over the island and pick up children or anybody who needed a ride to church, bring them to church. And I always preferred the other bus captains with the vehicles. In other words, I always gave the nicer vehicles out to my team, and I drove the not-so-nicer vehicles. You know, in humility, consider others better than yourself and drive the cruddy piece of junk. So that's what I would do. So this one particular morning, I had a, a bus route. I picked up about 20 kids in a 15-passenger van. That was about normal. Uh, in this one van, it was van number 39. What a special van. And so I get in it with my co-bus captain person, and we're going to go to this area called Harbor Lights, and I'm going to pick up his, whoever's standing out there, they can come get on the van. And so it's pouring dog rain. <laughs> Again, I've got a suit on. You'd think I would learn after a while, stop wearing your suit on Sunday when you're ministering to kids because you just <laughs> all over you. But I get, in the, I get in this van, and uh, the van, which was not one of the nicer vans, had holes in the ceiling through the roof. There's like rust. If you've lived on an island, you know the salt air gets to the vehicles and stuff. And so uh, it's pouring dog rain, and I'm sitting in the driver's seat, which is a puddle in my suit, and the rain is dripping on me. Okay, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a real exciting Sunday. Uh, uh, so I, I, I go to, you know, I start the, the van and everything, and I go to turn on the windshield wipers, and they don't work. There is no other vehicle for me to take. So I roll down the window, and I stick my head out the window and drive in the pour <laughs> pouring rain 
all the way to Harbor Lights, get my van overloaded with kids, and go back. You can imagine what I looked like when I showed up for those three morning services and waved at moms and dads that were checking their kids in. I looked pretty not so holy. And I, I had some you know, other experiences that weren't just, that just didn't line up with what I thought it would be. And you know what? It's like that. Serving is such an adventure. You never know what you're going to get, happen, whatever it is. And uh, who, who, you, know, you, you never know when somebody's just going to sling glitter everywhere. And you end up and you're like, really? You can never clean glitter up. It's permanent. Serving the Lord is such an adventure. We're going to look at a story tonight in the book of Acts. Would you turn to the book of Acts? And we're going to look at an interesting scenario that the early church had to make some decisions about. And I'm so glad they did because it encourages me so much. In the book of Acts, we find a multiplying church. And if you have been a part of this church for any length of time, you may have heard at least more than once, we are blessed and we will... Right, it's the word of the Lord over our church for the whole year. Personally, corporately, life groups, ministry teams, whatever. Multiply. In the book of Acts, we find multiply happening. Every time one of the apostles walked out, the church doubled. They got up for... You know, to go outside and wash their face, thousand people got healed, something happened, church multiplied, whatever it is. And so this speaks clearly to where we are as a church, because we are multiplying. And with, in, in the, in the uh, multiplying church definition, we see a chapter in the book of Acts that is very clear to us about some of the shifts and changes that happen in a multiplying church. Now, in terms of our church, I love where we are right now. Everything is multiplying, and I don't ever want to go back backwards. I want to keep plowing forward into God's intentions. In today's chapter, we're going to look at chapter 6. What we find is that the church had multiplied to the rate that the apostles could no longer uh, oversee every bit and piece of what was happening. Kind of like you found Moses when he was leading the children of Israel and he was trying to do it all himself. And Jethro, his father-in-law, finally told him, dude, you're brain dead. Here's what you got to do. You've got to have help. And so you find uh, Acts chapter 6, you find a, an interesting scenario. Let's read it together as we look at uh, if, you, if you're a note taker, and for those of you, uh, for whoever's uploading it at a different date, you can call this the, pow uh, the, the power of serving, colon, multiplication. This is a message on multiplying through serving. And we see it very, a very real picture of it through these men. So Acts chapter 6. Let's start reading with verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Everybody say increasing. increasing. Yeah, that's multiplying, okay? Uh, the Grecian Jews 
among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, these are the apostles, these are the same 12 minus one. They pick somebody new with the help of the Holy Ghost that Jesus mentored throughout the Gospels. Okay, that's who it's referring to. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Pro Procurus Nicanor, Timon, Parmesan cheese. Is that close enough? <laughs> hey, just doing the best I can. Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And then we got verse 7. Whoa. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Hey, would you pray for me? And I'm going to take time and pray and ask God to help me to deliver this word so we can all hear. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this encouraging segment in the book of Acts speaks so clearly to me. Lord, would you help me communicate so we can all hear? God, give me an anointing. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So you find with this growing church, shifts in structure and in leadership, roles changing, roles enlarging, Roles becoming to new people, new people entering into the picture. The more the, of the book of Acts that you read, the more you see that the church is multiplying quickly. And some of the things that, some of the choices that they made regarding leadership and, and uh, you know, spreading of the church, you find different models of, grow, of a growing, multiplying church. You have the Ephesus model. You have the Colossae model. You have the Jerusalem model of different churches. And what they did, those models were pictures of structure and leadership is what they were. And so uh, you find right here, the, the scenario is there's just, basically there's just too much for the 12 to take care of by themselves. We've got to have some help. So they... Look for some men. Acts 6, you see a change in the structure. We have changes in our structure. We will continue to have changes in our structure, roles, new people, shifts in who's doing what. That will be something that is kind of a, a, a demarcation of or a marker or characteristic 
of a multiplying, growing church. If, you know, you don't, which is human nature, if you are challenged with change and you just, you know, it breaks your brain, which, you know, that's normal for some people. They just can't handle change. It's going to be challenging for you to see a church grow because that is the nature of a growing church is we've got to expand more things, this and that. Oh. And so just to throw that out at you. And so what you hear in Acts 6, let's take a look at this. There's been a, I've heard different, uh, I want to be careful with my words, but there's been different um, great men of God give different uh, sermons and teachings from this, emphasizing the need for the ministry of prayer and the word from the apostles. Not arguing with that point at all. Please don't hear me. I do want to celebrate these seven men because what happens to them is what can happen to us. And it thrills me that, the, that the Luke put this section in this chapter because I find myself in this same scenario that they find themselves. Responsibility for certain things handed over to them in order that the whole may get bigger, which is a wonderful thing. So who did they pick? Let's look at this. Because it's really a, a, a key in what we find that happens afterwards, after this section of them picking. So who did they pick? Well, there was three things, three criteria here in this passage that they looked for that Luke expresses. And the th there's some things later in some different writings that Paul has as to what they looked for. But right here we see three things. And those three things were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, but not just full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, they were known to be. That's an important thing because it's not a one-day deal. Somebody just showed up. They spoke in tongues. Make them the leader of a thousand people. That's not how they did that. Known to be is a picture of a history of fruitfulness and, a, and known to other people of someone dependable, can count on them. They're not going to lead people astray. It's probably... Uh, the most important phrase in that, right, in that whole sentence right there is they've got a reputation. Right. It's not just a flash-in-a-pan person, and we're going to stick them in there. This is really important to note as a church, as we are, that is multiplying. Uh, you, it's important for us as we expand and see other people and see you and I rise up in leadership, that we have these reputations in line. This is important for us because one of the problems in the early church is that they would have people show up who were super spiritual and they weren't on the leadership team, but they would show up and weave their way in the congregation and they weren't known to the congregation, but they professed to be amazingly spiritual. They would like to be, they liked to, uh, be teachers, and they wanted people to follow them, but they weren't on the leadership team. 
This little section about them picking these men isn't a trivial part of the growing church. It's a critical part of the growing, multiplying church. The same thing happens to us. There will be people uh, that show up with different agendas in our church. Not everybody that comes to church has the same agenda. That's why on Sunday mornings and generally on Wednesday nights, you see me standing at the doorway to the children's area. I'm looking at every person that walks by me. And I don't have all their names memorized. I'd really like that tremendous gift. I don't know that I have that great gift. But I'm looking for anyone who's not one of the parents coming down that hall. Not everybody has the same agenda. I care so much about your family and your kids. I don't want somebody coming down that hall who doesn't have the same uh, heart as our church does. And you know, that it goes for lots of areas in our church, not just with our children. So if you encounter somebody in our church who's trying to bring a teaching to you that maybe didn't come across through the, through the pulpit, or you, know, you went to the Discover track and you heard these things, but now somebody, you got to be careful who you're talking to. In a growing, expanding church, you better know who the leadership is. It's important as one of the leaders that we do inspections. I was doing background checks today for someone, for people that applied for things. That's for us so that we don't run into some of those challenges that the early church ran into. And this little section about them being picky about who they chose, it's really important part of a multiplying church. If somebody brings a teaching to you, there's a few things you need to look for. So let's look at next. Who did they not pick? What are the, not just who did they pick, what did they not select? Okay, and it's some of the things that, that uh, us as a staff, we have some staff members here tonight, uh, we encounter in selecting people that are going to hold responsibility. And one of the main things here is they had to have, uh, they had to share in the vision and in the DNA of why the apostles uh, operated, what their vision was, what their goals were. And you find this when Timothy or Paul is writing to Timothy and Titus. When you find it, those are called the pastoral epistles. And you find uh, Paul writing to them about who to raise up in ministry. Okay, so you take this little section from the book of Acts, chapter 6, and you correlate it over with what Paul is saying, who should be deacons, who should be overseers, and what some of the characteristics should be. So when you go over to, uh, you know, First and Second Timothy and Titus, you see these lists of things. And, and basically, Paul is telling Timothy and Titus, you need to be really careful Don't let these type of people in there. In fact, don't even associate them with them. These people that work their way and take advantage of of weak-willed women and take advantage of widows and people with different agendas. They didn't select people like that. In our our, uh, organization, in our church, we have uh, different DNA phrases and philosophies of ministry. Now, that's a little different than saying theology. 
Okay, philosophy of ministry refers to how we do things. That's, that's who we are, kind of makes us who we are. Sometimes you might hear it referred to as this is our DNA, something like that. And so the apostles had to pick people that were of the same DNA. They were careful about it. There is a difficulty in selecting up, uh, upper leadership. Dr. Morocco states it like this. When you go to select people uh, for some of your oversight jobs in a church setting, you want to make sure all their wheels are pointed the same way. You ever go to the grocery store and you get one of those special carts? Right? And you end up correcting it the entire time you're using it because one of the wheels is pointed the wrong way? Or, oh, how about one of those that's got so much hair wrapped around the wheel, it won't even move. It leaves like uh, marks on the floor. Do you know what I'm talking about? People are the same way. You get one wheel pointed this way, you know, when you're selecting and working with people in upper church leadership, yet you don't want to keep correcting them. So that, that's a Dr. Morocco uh, mentoring moment there. Uh, when, when the apostles were selecting people for leadership, they had to be careful because they were giving people an enormous platform. Platform, not like this. Platform, what they're referring to is influence. They were giving people influence. So I want to give you a warning with the multiplying church, and that is people will enter into our congregation, and you know they may um, be in our church for a long time. You want to check fruit. You want to be a fruit inspector. Somebody brings a teaching to you, and they're wanting you to agree with them or whatever it is. You want to in inspect fruit. You are called to judge. You are called to judge fruit. We, we are called by God to judge. I know you've probably heard in church, churchy languages and Christianese languages, which irritate me, by the way, um, that you know, you're not supposed to judge people. Judging is an evil thing. Whatever. Those of you that are moms and dads, you judge what's on your kid's plate when you're looking at it. And you also judge what's still on their plate after you've told them to finish and they're asking for ice cream. You look at their plate. You judge. You're supposed to judge people based on the fruit that you see coming from their life. You better judge people that come to you in our congregation and want you to, you know, you know align with some weird teaching they got. Uh, we're talking about the choosing of the seven here. And what I want to get to now is not only were they selected into leadership of a multiplying church, but an amazing phenomenon happened to them that will happen to you 
And it is that they multiplied. I want to look at two people that the book of Acts highlights. And that's the next couple of chapters here, right after the choosing of the seven. So if you take a look at, and I, know, I don't know who's doing the scriptures back there, and I don't know what order I'm going in, so I, I gave a list back there. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 8 and 9 and 10. So take a look at this. It says, now Stephen, now we saw Stephen over here, he was listed first. He was the first one they listed to oversee the food program for the widows, okay? He's in charge of the food bank down there at the, uh, somebody's house. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Flip the page or so and look at chapter 8, and let's look at verse 5. It says, Philip went down. Now, this is Philip, who we just named to be on the board of the food bank for the apostles. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said with shrieks, evil spirits, came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now I want you to go to same chapter, jump all the way over to verse 38, talking about Philip. He's visiting with someone, talking about uh, prophecy in the Old Testament, and the guy wants to be baptized in water. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch, we're on verse 38, and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Okay, now what we're going to look at here is areas in these men's lives and in our lives that will multiply as a result of our serving. The first thing we want to look at is multiplied power. So you see Stephen and... Philip. And when we first see their names, they got elected to the board of the food bank. It's their job to make sure the right ladies got the right amount of food, that these widows got whatever, everybody got the same thing. Basically, their job is to stand out there and with however many people it was, make sure everything's fair. Doesn't sound very glamorous, but that's what they were elected to do. And to be elected to do that, we already looked. 
they were highly selected to do this job of making sure everybody got some food to eat or these whatever it was. I'm sure there were other things too, but that's the one that the scripture points out. However, it, in less than, you know, a couple of chapters here, we see a different description of them. We don't find them waiting on the tables. We find these words attached to their name. Miracles, signs, wonders. You see a multiplication in the Spirit of God operating through them. You didn't see that before they started serving. But you see it after they start serving. A multiplication of the Spirit of God and His power operating through them. You don't find any other apostle, these great men of God, vanishing in one place and reappearing in another. Now, to me, that just encourages me so much because I'm like one of these seven people. I've been given responsibilities over this, and the amazing power of God is not limited to whoever the supervisors are. It's whoever is serving gets to operate in the power of God. I get to do that. So do you. The Spirit of God multiplies in us as we put our hand to the plow in the kingdom of God and do something that the Holy Spirit can empower you to do. The Holy Spirit, part of his role is deutimous power. It's to empower you to do something. He can't empower you to do something if you don't do anything. But when you do something, you find the Holy Spirit amplifying you. Part of multiplying church is the people in the church multiply. So as you serve in a ministry, whatever the ministry is, doesn't matter. The Spirit of God will multiply in you and me. That's a part of his operation. That's what he wants to do. Let's take a look at another uh, correlation between serving and that person multiplying. Okay, so multiplied power. The next thing is you see multiplied fruitfulness. This is so important because nobody wants to serve God and nothing happen. Nobody wants to take a great step of faith to please God and nothing happens. We want some fruitfulness for our serving, right? You plant some seeds in your garden and nothing comes up. Who's disappointed? Yeah. Where's Minister Tammy? She's probably doing stewardship, I'm sure. I know you hear me on that phone in that stewardship office. <laughs> you plant some seeds, right, Mary, and nothing shoots up? You're like, well, okay, what's going on here? You want some fruitfulness for your labor, right? You showed up, do something for God. You want to see something for that. These guys had multiplied fruitfulness. As we look at these two men, uh, Stephen and Philip, you see they were not just the supervisors of the Apostolic Kitchen Cafe. They went and start churches in other places. They had a following. They had influence. 
They had uh, believers, that, people that became believers because of them. That is so encouraging because whatever realm you serve in, God wants to make you fruitful. Not just in that realm, but in larger purposes as well. The, the intentions of God and in the kingdom of God is for his people to be fruitful and to be a part of his purposes. In, in uh, joining together and co-workers with God, you're joining with his purposes. The way he operates is to give you fruitfulness for what you're doing. These men, uh, they were elevated in what they were doing. In your role in serving, don't know what it is. There's probably many different ways of serving sitting in this room. I don't know what it is. Everybody does in our house or will do. But elevation will be a part of it. It comes through the, the evidence of seeing fruitfulness in what you do. As a part of our church for 20 years, uh, I've come to see people who just started serving in ministry. They just showed up to do something. And as they were faithful to serve, you see their life and everything in their life start to multiply, including being elevated into different areas of ministry that they didn't even start in. But the fruitfulness showed up. They were loyal, they were faithful, and they were fruitful. So multiplied fruitfulness. When I say fruitfulness, I'm talking about influence. Who wants to be a person of influence? We should all want to be a person of influence. You want to be an influential person. I didn't say a famous person. I said an influential person. Because you want to influence people to the kingdom. You want to influence people to Jesus. You should pray, God, give me more influence. So fruitfulness referring to influence. With that, what you'll find is in, in, an influ, in multiplying. Whoa. In, when your fruitfulness multiplies, you'll find your authority multiplies. It's part of the fruitfulness multiplication. You also see the more work principle. It's the reward for doing a good job in the kingdom is more jobs. I'm not sure I like that one. I'd like to change that one. What I would like is the better you do your job, the more vacation you get. I haven't found that to be accurate. I have found that the more fruitful I am, the more I'm asked to do. Okay, so multiplied power of God flowing through them, multiplied fruitfulness in their life. The next thing you see is a multiplied name. Here we are solely talking about influence. So multiplied name. If you take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, you find Paul writing to Timothy, here we are, about being critical about who gets to do what in the church. And you, you see him giving instructions about what kind of people to select as overseers, whatever word it is you want to use there. So 1 Timothy 3, 13, okay? 
Those who have served well gain an excellent standing. That is a good name, a multiplied name, okay? And great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So standing among other people. I want you to look at an interesting chapter that you probably get bored reading. So take a look at Romans 16. I'm not sure this is real impactful. Nobody gets up for early morning prayer at 6 a.m. without, you know, you haven't had your coffee yet, and turn right to Romans 16 to read it. And maybe it's a chapter you want to read when you can't sleep at night. Guarantee you'll be asleep in three lines. All right, here we go. All right, Romans 16. I'm going to read this kind of fast, and I want you to notice... He's naming people, and I want you to notice a characteristic you find as he names these people. It's not in all of them, but I want you to see if you can pick it out. Here we go. I'm going to read it kind of fast. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sintra. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and give her any help she may need from you, for she's been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Interesting. Greet my friend, my dear friend Epinus, who was the first convert in Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Get, greet Amp somebody who, who I love in the Lord. Greet another guy, our fellow worker in Christ, my, my dear friends. Good job. <laughs> greet, greet Apollos, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong in the household of S. Greet, greet another guy, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. I don't know that I would name my kid Narcissus. Did I say that right? All right, great job. You can talk to the staff members over here with a, who have a degree in Greek names. I didn't pass that class. Greet those women who work hard in the Lord. Greek my... Does anybody see the pattern? I don't really have to read the rest of this, do I? I mean, it just keeps going on and on. Who's the people that Paul is celebrating? The people that work hard among them. He's acknowledging them and he's celebrating them. Paul, the apostle, who wrote more books than anybody in the Bible. Okay? Paul, the amazing miracle worker, church starter guy. Who is it he's going to acknowledge? People that are working. Is that interesting or what? I find it interesting because people want to be acknowledged. People want their name to be, they love it when you say their name. They love it when their names are kind of like, you know, shouted or celebrated or whatever. Everybody kind of likes that. But in this, in this word, the New Testament, the people that Paul celebrated like that are the people that were pouring out their life for the kingdom of God. It goes on and on and on. Work very hard, verse 12. Okay, verse 13. This lady's been a mother to him. There's some work. All the moms said, amen. 
Uh-huh. Okay, and it keeps going. Verse 17, very interesting. He warns about people in the church that bring division. And then he goes on to, and he, he talks about fellow workers. When you read the epistles or letters that Paul wrote to the churches and to people, you find him naming his staff members and then saying, my fellow workers. Let's all say it, my fellow workers. Yeah, you get a multiplied name. That's what they're known for. For all of history and eternity, they worked very hard for the kingdom. So multiplied power, fruitfulness, name. Okay, take a look at this next one. If you're a note writer, write it down. They had a multiplied faith. Faith without action is dead. You can't say you believe in something if you're not willing to back it up with action. It doesn't, it's not real to you. It's just a bunch of words. There has to be action. Back up your faith. Okay? Uh, first, back to that scripture, 1 Timothy 3.13. Can you bring that back up there? So they, they gain, gain or increase, okay, an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith. Your faith is affected by your serving. There's a direct correlation to you doing something for God and what you believe God can do. It like, it's like taking vitamins for your faith. Right? Whatever vitamin it is you use. Gummy vites. It's like taking gummy vites for your faith. Okay, multiplied faith. Okay, the last one here is multiplied reward. You cannot read the New Testament, which is mostly the Apostle Paul, without seeing the themes that he writes about. So he has repetitive themes in all of his writings. And kind of how he says it kind of changes, a few little words different, but the themes are all the same. One is the theme of prayer. You can't read the writings of Paul without prayer winding its way and jumping out at you. The second one is serving and doing something with your giftings. Okay, Paul wrote about it over and over and over again. Do something, do something, serve, use your giftings. Okay, serve as unto the Lord. Whatever your gift is, use it, okay? And then one of the things with that theme is what happens when you stand before God. Paul writes about it. He writes about himself when he says, I have finished the course. There now waits for me crowns. Okay, you see Paul referring to rewards, crowns. You see the parables of Jesus that refer to him, people standing before a judge or a landowner or whatever it is and receiving something for what they did, whether it was good or bad. I want to show you an interesting verse. Take a look at Revelation chapter 20. Here we are in the very back of the book, okay? Flip all the way to the back. It's probably in the last two pages. Revelation chapter 20. We got a picture of God here that I, I don't know if you've seen before. Maybe I can uh, highlight it here for you. And I want to start reading at verse 11. I love this. 20 verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence. What does that even mean? That's something awesome that the writer doesn't know how to describe. So he's trying to use his best words he knows how to give you a picture of the, the awesomeness of God. 
earth and sky can't even stand in his presence? Whoa. Okay. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Books. So this is every person, great and small. Books were opened. How many books are in heaven? Okay, how many people are on the planet today? Seven billion? How many have died? More. How many books are in heaven, and who's writing them? Somebody's writing books. And when you show up on that day, they're pulling out your book. Okay? Uh, this, this is amazing to me. Keep reading. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. So this is not, these are not the book of life. That's a different book. What are these books? Okay. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Your whole life is being recorded in a book. God likes to read. Let me ask you a question. Are you writing a good book for him to read? He doesn't judge it by the cover. He judges it by what's on the inside of the book. This just jumps out at me. And it makes me wonder what I wrote on today's page. And God makes it clear. Every person is going to stand before him. And your book is going to be opened. And everything you are, were, thought, said, did is going to be expressed to him. And you will receive what is due you, whether good or bad, in the body. Take a look at uh, one of our other verses here. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Can you bring that one up here? Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The power of serving is in the end you get rewarded for it. Now let me give you a warning. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, made a clear distinction and motive for serving. Yes, there's going to be amazing, unspeakable rewards. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has planned for those okay, who serve him, love him, follow him. But Jesus gives a little disclaimer on the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. The people that serve so that other people will notice them, they don't get anything on that day. People that serve just so somebody will go, did you do that? That was me. Hi, Emma. You guys saw my daughter come in late. My daughter was at horse camp this week and just got back and uh, rushed in. She's dying to tell me all about it. We'll do that later. It's not a part of the message tonight. <laughs> this is her fifth horse camp. She's uh, progressing through the ranks of some kind of horsemanship thing I don't know anything about. I can spell horse. That's about as good as I get. Anyway, reward is a part of God's plan. He wants to reward you for serving. He wants to reward you and honor you for your service. Multiply, multiplication. These men started out just doing what they were asked to do, and you see multiplication of power, 
Multiplication of fruitfulness. Let's review. Multiplication of their name. Multiplied faith. Okay? And then you see a multiplication. You will see the reward. And so will you. You will have those things. God's intentions are for us to be more than spectators in his kingdom. God never called us to be spectators. God did call us into action. You may have experienced um, in your serving, there may be people, maybe you're watching online, you might be sitting here. Maybe you've been discouraged in serving before. You certainly heard some of my stories about, you know, amazing days of serving where I wondered if God even noticed I was trying to do something great for him. <laughs> I went to go pick up these kids one time. I'm almost done. I went to pick up these kids one time. I am... Uh, that'll be a different time. So I went to go pick up these kids one time, and I'm sitting out there. Now, I'm giving my life away for the kingdom because I love Jesus, okay? And I'm serving as unto the Lord. And so I'm sitting out talking to these kids at this area of, of Maui. This is before we moved to Alaska. And I'm waiting to see if there's more kids. I'm giving them time. Some of them didn't go ask their parents if they could come to church. So I'm waiting for them to go ask. And I'm sitting there talking and, uh, with these kids. And all of a sudden, I just feel really wet stuff on my hand. And I look behind me, and there's this girl leaning over my shoulder spitting on me. She's like letting it drool down, and she thinks it's hilarious. I said, are you, are you spitting on me? Yeah, thank you so much. You might experience that. Maybe somebody wasn't nice to you when you were serving. Maybe you were expecting someone to raise you up to be the next super apostle and it didn't happen. Maybe somebody didn't thank you when you were really wanting to be thanked. Maybe, maybe you know, there's all kinds of ways that in some way in our service we can become damaged. And you know what? Sometimes it makes us not want to serve anymore. And if that happened to you, I'm sorry that happened to you. I was trying to share stories with you that you're not on your, you're, it's not just you. It's anybody that serves in the kingdom. You're going to experience the humanness of people. People are humans, and they're weird. You got yourself all dolled up to be here for two hours. We know that. You're imperfect, and so am I. If you're, if you're watching online, or maybe this is your first time here, if you're looking for a perfect church full of perfect people, this ain't it. If you find it, don't join it. You'll ruin it. That was a Dr. Morocco. I said that for the Kimuras in the back. How many times has he said that, huh? Minister David's parents have been here. I've known them for 30-plus years, and, uh, and I love them so dearly. I'm so glad. These guys are leaving tomorrow to go back to Maui. They've been here for a while. We love you guys. So precious to King's Cathedral and chapels. I don't have time to tell the stories of how much you've sacrificed for our church. 
Nobody here, well, there might be a few people here that know what you guys have given up and bled out for our church. Thank you so much for serving in the kingdom of God. And there's other people too. But if you've experienced heartache in serving, I'm sorry that happened to you. Our church is a multiplying church. Our church will multiply, please hear me, to the degree that people serve. I happen to serve in children's ministry, not because I ever asked to. I've been serving in children's ministry since I was 12. I'm not 12 today. Am I 43? Okay, 43. 31 years I've been serving behind the scenes, ministering to children. And I can tell you in those 31 years, I've seen a correlation. The growth of the church directly correlates to the number of people that engage in serving. So if you've been out of the game, get back in the game. There's multiplication waiting for you. Forgive the people that hurt you. I have to tell you, um, in all the people, I've got like dust on my glasses. Don't you hate that? Uh, when I joined KC, I had an un- KC. When I joined Kings in, as a staff member in the year 2000, I had an unexpected surprise waiting for me. I got, and didn't know it, I got to serve with the most, and if you're watching, love you, the most difficult pastor to work with in all of KC. (laughs) Didn't know that. Difficult. Oh, are the Camaros back there? You know what? Uh, My serving and my love for the Lord was so challenged. I honestly look back at those years which were extremely difficult. I I, I think I quit at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. But I'll tell you what, it made me ask myself, who am I doing this for? Do I really love God? Or am I looking for someone to pat me on the back? You really got to ask yourself those questions when it comes to serving. Your motives have got to be because you love Jesus. What did he do for you? Oh, yeah. He got the crud kicked out of him and sat there bleeding on the cross, was beat to death. Thank you. He did that for you and I. The least I could do is set up some chairs for him. Or maybe the least I could do is vacuum the sanctuary where people are going to come and worship. And if nobody shouts my name, it's okay. So if you were hurt in serving, forgive those people. Get back in the game. If you're not involved in serving, I don't care what your age is. We have fourth graders serving in the preschool tonight. Partly because there's no adults that are step up to the plate and come serve. So we're left regulating, 
relegated to grab whoever was, would be willing to go serve some children. We need help. We need greeters. We need ushers. We need security people. We need people to clean the building. Have you seen the size of our new building? You can't clean that in a day. We need a team. So I'm encouraging you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to see what's waiting for you if you will engage and serve. Would you stand with me? As you're standing there, I want to tell you how to get involved. Get in the Discover track. It's the on-ramp to serving in our house, serving in the kingdom of God here at King's. Show up at the intensive. We've been advertising it. If you need more information, stop at the Connect desk. If you've already been a part of it and you're just having trouble finding a place to plug in, I oversee lots of things here. I will give you something to do for the kingdom. I want you to look good on Judgment Day. I want you to get rewarded. I want to see the multiplication of the Holy Ghost in your life. I want to see your name multiplied, your fruitfulness multiplied. That's God's intentions for the people of kings in a multiplying church. We are blessed. We will multiply. If you've been faithful in a ministry, well done. Keep going. Keep serving. If you got stepped on, take it to Jesus. He's the judge. And get back in there. If you're looking for a place to serve, use our app. There's, a, there's like a tab or something on there called Get Involved. You don't have to wait for somebody to come ask you. Well, if they really needed help, they'd come ask me. I'm asking today. Well, but I need somebody to say my name. Do you really need somebody to say your name for you to serve the king of all kings? You don't need that. You just need to start. So start or restart. Get in the game. As I wind this up, I want to give you one of the, the DNA aspects of being in Kings. And it's so real to me, and it will be real to you. And that's the phrase, vision is progressive. You're driving at night. You got some headlights. Maybe you even got the extra moose lights on your car. But you can only see so far. And the more you drive, the farther you can see. You see what's coming up. Ah, moose! That's Fairview Loop right there. There you go. That's where I live. Same thing is true when you serve in the kingdom of God. If you start, more will become visible to what God wants to do in your life. And as you continue, more will become visible. God's great plans, direction will start opening. But you have to start. You have to continue. Go for it, kings. Serve him with all you got. God's intentions are going to unfold for Alaska for the people that serve him. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
I'm here to invite you today to start and have the greatest life you could ever have. It's with Jesus as your Lord, living every day with Him as the boss, living and arranging your life to please Him and seeing the multiplied life come to you. Not having to go chase it down. Because Jesus is the multiplier. He brings elevation. He brings favor. He brings power. He brings freedom. He brings joy. You can either try to chase those things or you can let Him bring them to you. It starts with knowing Him as your Savior. Making that choice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus. I'm going to live for Him every day of my life. Those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in here, I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're going to take a moment to pray. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Now is your moment. If you've never made the declaration that you're going to do away with sin and live for Jesus, today is your day. What a great thing. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? And whether it's the first time or second time or just renewing or declaring to reassure, would you pray with me? Say it right out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. I start today living the multiplied life with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Our time is up together today. I hope you were encouraged, especially those of you that are serving. God has so much in store for you. And I hope in some way I spurred you and stirred a desire in you that you're going to kick down my door and say, please give me something to get rewarded for. The power of serving is multiplication. It's a part of the theme for this whole year. I want to see you multiply. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise today. He wants to multiply us. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, you can meet Pastor Vince right up here after church. Let him know. We want to help you know more about the multiplying life, more about the Word, how to get engaged, how to start walking with Jesus every day. We want you to grow. Pastor Vince, why don't you go ahead and come on over here. You can close us in prayer. Pastor Daniel will be here on Sunday. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, God. Let it be engrafted in our hearts. Let it change us. Let us mold us. Let it conform us to the very image of your Son. God, we ask for your leadership and your guidance, Lord. And, Lord, I just speak blessings over the people, Lord, as they travel to their destinations, that they'll arrive safely. Hallelujah. And return again to worship you, Lord, later on this week, Lord. I ask you to bless everyone, Lord, as they leave their place. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.